Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more tech. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Well, I'm excited. We have an awesome guest here. Uh, I went to the IMN conference uh, about a month ago. And my whole point of being there was to find interesting people that I thought had cool stories and were doing cool stuff. And uh, Fran Loftus is in that list of people that are cool in tech and real estate and <laughs> have done some cool stuff and doing cool stuff. So Fran, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Cool background. Yeah. So uh, you live in Midtown, New York City, uh, obviously a, a tech uh, I don't know, call it cap capital. Yeah, sure. Tech capital yeah. of the world, sort of. Um, and also a real estate hub. So that's interesting. Um, why don't you maybe just give us a little bit of background of like who the heck you are and, and what have you been doing the last, you know, five, 10 years? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, uh, I remember when um, I joined uh, Metaprop, uh, we actually, for a minute there, we're calling kind of like the uh, flat iron area here in New York, like real estate row or something like that. So yeah, definitely a, a hub for real estate technology. Back when we were calling it Retech instead of PropTech. Um, okay. uh, so I'm Fran. Um, I was a founder here in real estate technology. Um, I started a company called Home about nine years ago. Um, wow, nine years ago, man, that makes me feel old. Um, and we provided um, a platform that allowed um, multifamily and uh, some single family and uh, commercial as well, real estate, um, the opportunity to kind of pick vendors that were going to work inside their spaces and those vendors could self-orient on our platform. Um, I eventually sold that tech company to um, what was then called Hello Alfred, which is now just Alfred, um, about two years ago. Um, and now I am at Elise AI, uh, running operations here. And uh, we are a leasing platform, um, primarily um, having leasing conversations, and have recently, in the last couple of months since I've been here, expanded into being a full operations platform. So um, we have conversations generated by AI um, across not just uh, prospects, uh, so the leasing conversation, the leasing journey, um, but also residents. So when someone moves in, uh, they're going to get a text from an AI that says, welcome to the property, gives them a little bit of information. They can send maintenance requests through there. Um, and that's the same AI that's going to be reaching out when they uh, are delinquent on rent um, or need their rent payment link. Um, and then the same AI when they go to renew. So it is a full, you know, end-to-end -end, uh, conversational AI that helps with the operations of a business, of a property. And that's us. I don't even know where to start. Um, there's a line. <laughs> Let's, I, I want to, before we get into the current stuff, I want to talk yeah. about, so you build up home, which you eventually um, sold into Alfred. Um, maybe, maybe talk through that journey a little bit of, uh, you know, there's not that many people who have started prop tech companies and sold at prop tech companies. Uh, yeah. And you have a very young age. Uh, what was that experience <laughs> like? 
Um, I guess I kind of fell into real estate technology. I, I feel like that's most people. You start like a tech company and then you're like, oh, this is actually really applicable to housing. And then you kind of just like, are you find yourself in um, housing. Um, but uh, we started um, we started with the concept of like a meditation studio, strangely. Um, and it was going to like have a, it was going to be brick and mortar. It was going to have a, um, like a, a tea room and, uh, much like some of the trendy, um, you know, boutique fitness studios kind of moved towards being meditation studios that kind of got repurposed. Um, we started with that concept and we tested it in a bunch of really high end multifamily buildings here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we really understood the mechanics of amenity management um, and how there are all these uh, amenity managers that really look for super high contract values. So they're typically only getting engaged in a project if it's like class A plus plus plus, um, if they're going to be involved in the design process, as well as the kind of um, um, equipmenting, and um, they stay on uh, to manage these spaces, but only if they were involved from the get go, right? And like it's an incredibly expensive investment for a building. They've got to designate space and they've got to commit to physically building these things out. And like, what if, what if tomorrow um, golf simulators are not what's drawing people to a building? Like, how do we make this more malleable? How do we make it respond faster to what is actually impacting the retention um, of these residents in these buildings? Um, And so we, we kind of made up this like, you know, mobile amenities, utilize underutilized spaces in any kind of class of building. Um, And then it expanded into office where they would have like a floor move out and they were like, let's amenitize this floor until we rent it out. Um, We find a new occupant. And um, it became really popular having these kind of pop-up amenities that would kind of float around these buildings or throughout these portfolios, especially where they were like campus kind of clustered together. Um, and we had to build a ton of technology to make that work seamlessly. And so it really was in the end, um, a solution that worked for a handful of different types of, of buildings. That's cool. Um, is it, and and then Alfred's still using it today? Like it's still part of their, yeah. Yeah. So Alfred has that in their tech stack that you can, um, you can add on kind of community engagement and they're using, um, some of the some of the software, at least they was they were before I um, moved over to at least AI. Some of the software for um, their in-home services too. So some of the wayfinding tools that we had that kind of mapped through the space, um, or uh, the notification systems we had for the third-party vendors that were going to be coming on site and keeping them up to date on timing and feedback from the from the actual users. Um, a lot of that was used for their like dog walking services and their home cleaners. And so they, they added on like in-unit services, the same platform. Cool. So then you, you jumped over to Lease AI. Uh, yeah. And so you went from, I, mean, I guess you kind of, you started to understand the world of running these larger multi-communities and surely leasing is is on the uh, list of things that are important to them <laughs> yeah um 
Now, is is Lisa AI catering towards single family homes and and you know smaller landlords, or is it more trying to be geared towards multifamily type products? So across the board, um, we have a single family home solution. Um, even before we built conversations that were a fit for single family, we had a lot of clients in multi that were doing like build for rent um, communities, um, you know, a bunch of single, single family homes, but obviously, you know, clustered together more like a campus. Um, yeah, and, and so we had a lot of tweaks that we made for those, um, those built for communities um, that we then, that were then like a, a great platform for us to build on top of to have a full single family home solution. Um, and we have single family home uh, conversations that are leasing, that are resident maintenance, depending on what the integration is. And then um, also those delinquency conversations are already live for single family too. Cool. Now an AI company like yours, and um, I guess I'm a little newer to the AI stuff, but I, I catch yeah. up quick. Uh, <laughs> so it, does it use like an AI framework? Is that the right word I should be thinking about? Like that most of these yeah. AI companies are like a framework and they sit on top of it and kind of customize it. And if so, is that is that how you guys are, are approaching the problem? So we train with large language, large language models, um, which I think is, um, you know, ChatGPT is a large language model that I think everybody's heard of. If you haven't, you're probably living under a rock. <laughs> Very right. popular. Um, but yeah, we, other large language models too are um, successful and um, available for us um, to use uh, for training our our conversations, but. We're really goal oriented, so um, it's not just about having a quality conversation that makes sense, um, and it's not about giving an answer. Because a lot of the goals of these uh, platforms that people are exposed to, the goal is to have you continue to ask questions or come back to this platform. So much like social media, where you may be served, maybe not an a realistic representation of your friends' feeds, but kind of a curated um, right. version of that that's going to kind of engage you more, entice you more to respond or repost right. or whatever. Right. Um, a lot of these platforms are these public um, AI models. The goal is to just have you keep talking to them. And so they may be giving you truthful information or semi-truthful information. Um, and what we have um, over at Lease AI is um, a, a real estate AI. So we're in these conversations, um, these millions of conversations we're having, the AI is learning how to get to an application faster or how to get to this prospect who came from Zillow. How do we get them over to taking a tour faster? Um, how do we figure out what platform to communicate across, whether it's text or email or a phone call that's going to get somebody to pay their rent on time more frequently. Um, so it's really like a goal-oriented tool. And so the AI is not just learning how to decipher context from a conversation, but also kind of anticipate what is the next right thing to say to get to this goal. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, what is... How, how does it, I'm sure you're tracking metrics every day. How yeah. does it compare to the human equivalent? Is it 
Is it beating humans? Is it tying humans? Uh, so, so even in a world where we weren't performing at the same level as a human, the value right to a to a manager or an owner operator is going to be like, I don't have to put somebody in that seat. I can like centralize across my properties and have one person. Course, you know, yeah. it's like there's obviously the the ROI there, but then we do typically convert at almost double um, what a human does. And you can think wow. like it, you can think like there's no way that AI is going to pull out the same level of context that a human can like, um, and, and you can recognize that conversations normally go better when somebody who's toured somebody through the property can reference back, like call back to something they talked about on the tour. And like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of like um, sales tactics that are unique to an individual or a human. Um, and so it can be surprising that we can convert at a higher rate. Um, but I think it really comes down to convenience. Like if I am looking for a home while I'm on my commute to work, I have a discreet like 25 minutes that I'm going to, that I'm going to be engaged in this task. And like, if I, if you don't get back to me in two minutes, I'm probably not going to, convert from initial reach out to tour on, on, in my calendar for this week um, if I'm yeah. not getting that immediate reply, right? Like I, my, my commute's done, I'm at the office, I'm working on something else now and I, I may completely forget to even check my personal email to see right. if you, re you replied 30 hours from now. And I think that's the biggest piece. Like humans, especially that are leasing up um, maybe a, a set of homes, um, they have other responsibilities like touring somebody through a property and um, they can't be immediately available to respond to every reach out from a prospect. And so they just can't deliver that immediacy that is needed to convert people over. Yeah. Um, and kind of not what we want people to be doing, right? Like we want people to be like very great at converting, converting folks over when they have that in-person experience or um, you know, we want them to be navigating unique edge cases where like, is this person going to hit the requirements? It's kind of, they're kind of on the border. Like we need a human to kind of step in here and decipher. You kind of don't want them sending the same pet policy that they've copy and pasted 400 times an email across a month. Like that's not really an enjoyable job for them. And it's not really like what you want to be spending money on um, having a human do, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, friend, I, I love that. I think, so I spent a lot of time in sales and marketing in my life selling and growing lots of different things in real estate and, and ad tech and, and all sorts of stuff. I think even leasing, I've, I've leased up to my own buildings myself. And I think yeah. I can't I can't say strong enough how much I agree with the 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 time element of marketing and sales can overcome an average salesperson. <laughs> like yeah. And if, if you just are our, however, whatever your process is between AI and virtual assistants and maybe an American salesperson, whatever that combo looks like, if you can nail the time element where people are getting back to them right away when they have a question and ideally following up later, because I imagine that's part of this too, is like post-tour yeah. follow-ups, yeah. uh, the, the immediacy of response and then eventually the follow-up, I'll take someone who's average to below average, and they will outperform high quality, high experienced salespeople.
because a lot of times these high quality experienced salespeople, they don't feel like answering the call at 7.30 a.m. in the morning. They're not as responsive. They're not as organized on the follow-up side of things. So I mean, that all like totally makes sense to me. It's interesting. I mean, the fact that you feel like it's like double the conversion rate, that's really fascinating. And what, so I guess- it's like 60 to 100% increase. Wow, that's crazy. So it's like, I guess the initial goal is set up an appointment or apply. Is that kind of how you you structure the- Yeah, an appointment. um, An appointment or apply, because we do have a lot of communities, classic New York, right? We're like, We'll, we'll go and look at the data and we'll be like, something must be wrong here. There are more people that convert over to an application than to a tour. That can't make sense because like it's a funnel in our all of our graphs and everything. But like that is how sometimes it works. Like people will apply sight unseen to, to communities right. sometimes. Right, so right. yeah, it's it's either one. Yeah, either one. That's awesome. Um, are you seeing like long tail the guy who owns 15 units and is historically leasing himself are you seeing this start to help that that person out or are you guys not there yet and you're more focused on like enterprise type clients um well you know as a as a bandwidth thing like we're 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 just over 1.8 i think it's 1.7 1.8 million units that we're in today at the unit whether it's a wow. standalone home or whether it's a unit within a multi-building. But um, so we have a lot of the biggest logos, right? Like, and now for us, it's just about proving value, getting deeper, um, deeper into more markets with them or um, kind of looking at different like striations of types of buildings they have and like really fit conversations to um, those unique cases. Um, so we're really, we're really diversifying who we're talking to. Like it used to be purely owner operators, enterprise, and that's where the bandwidth was. Um, for us, kind of any scale of a partner makes sense. Um, as we, as we try and work with folks that have 15 buildings, 15 independent homes, maybe it's like a onesie or twosie, um, for them, it almost feels like this is of more value because in a gigantic organization, they're talking about centralizing, right? Like we have a model, we have X number of people in each property, and now we're looking to centralize this. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's a tool that is going to only help their operations. But in the case of somebody who's just purchased their 12th um, you know, single family home and, and they're trying to manage this all themselves and they've just gone past that place where like they can't manage it themselves anymore. Yeah. A tool like this is a savior, right? Like I, this is my next step before I actually hire somebody because um, I'm yeah. that overflowed now. Uh, you know, I'm that person who is the one head count that things are going to get escalated to. And this just took 90% of the conversations that I'm having with prospects and residents off my plate. Um, so for those folks, this is um, a lower cost option before they go and, and hire somebody to assist with overflow work. Yeah, it's great. Um, it totally makes sense. And it sounds like even though the name is Lease AI, maybe you need a new uh, name, <laughs> like, right? I mean, it sounds like you're starting to go into like, other requests that could come up like rent collection and you know all the various things that could be pinged 
I imagine the same uh, language learning can also figure out how to solve other problems too for tenants. Yeah. It's so funny. Everybody uh, hears our name, Elise, the woman's name, and they're like, oh, it's a fun play on the word lease. Um, our founder actually named the company Elise, not just because it was playing on lease, but Eliza was the first AI. And so it's also this ode to like the first AI that existed, Eliza. Um, um, so yeah, it's, that's funny, <laughs> but also it's just, it's great that it says Elise in it. Yeah. But, um, right. we are, we're doing maintenance requests. We're doing, um, kind of any resident triaging. So, um, people used to find their way into our leasing conversations all the time. They'd come back to say your AI's name was Hunter. All the, all the AIs are named for each, um, management company, but, um, they go back to Hunter once they moved into the building and be like, Hey, how do I pay my rent? Or like, what time does the gym open? Um, or I just bought a dog and I want to add my dog to my lease. Um, and we would always just, you know, have to hand these things off. And those folks were used to a certain level of response, service. you know, like yeah. a, or a level of service because they get these response times that were so fast before when they were a prospect. And like, now they're living in the building, like, why do I have worse service now that I'm paying you? <laughs> um, so for those folks, like we've always had to bridge into, um, into being able to triage them better. Like, oh, you know, once we'd learn, even if they were a leasing customer before, we'd be like, hey, do you have a maintenance portal that we can direct people to? Or do you have like a, a welcome guide that we can ingest the information from and we can just kind of answer some of these questions for them? So like our resident solution came so naturally out of like, we were already building solutions to learn some information about how to help these people. Um, and so now we just actively go and say like, save my number. Um, I'm the same AI that you spoke to before, and I'm going to be helpful now, um, that you live in the building. And, and uh, the communication, it sits over text message, email, web chat, like it's, it's a multi-prong approach. Uh, I imagine. Yeah, we're everywhere. Um, web chat was kind of the most recent thing that we built. Um, folks. I think, I think it can be overstated how valuable web chat is. Um, you know, people will typically come to a property website and only a couple percent will actually engage in, in that chat. Um, what we see most commonly is somebody will be sitting on the amenities page of a, a website and they'll be like, do you have a pool? And they'll be like looking at the pool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there's a pool there. Um, but it's kind of funny, like even a well-oriented site, like some people just want to be able to ask the question and not have to like look around for the information. It's yeah. just kind of human nature. But we also like, in addition to the, to the chat itself, have a bunch of widgets. So like self-scheduler and contact us and text with us and all those other widgets too. So we typically see people say like, hey, do you have a pool? And then we say yes, so that they just self-schedule. So um, kind of those as a set is really helpful. Um, uh, where you're going to see most traffic is just always, always, always through email people reaching out through any kind of like listing sites you have. Um, so that's most popular. We've got text, so you can text directly with us. Um, but we also, we also have phones. So we've got voice AI as a solution. One tier under that is kind of like our voicemail. So text with context, we'll say, um, you know, maybe it'll ring through to the leasing team, uh, say they are not available to pick up or call center, you know, the, the number that we have and they're not available to pick up the voicemail will be an AI voicemail and we'll say, what are you calling about today? Um, they'll give us their answer on what they're, what they were calling about. They're trying to get 
a hold of somebody for, and then we'll text them back with the answer to specifically what they were what they were asking about. Um, and that we call that a lease on the line. So there's kind of like levels of our voice solution. And um, the lowest one of that is our IVR solution where we manage your phone trees for you. And one of the options is press one to text with an agent. Um, but all that's transcribed and it kind of makes for a full solution across all of your marketing platforms um, uh, as well as your entire like contact center. Um, yeah, it's all the same AI. There's no kind of handoff between different tools. Um, all in one report. It's kind of, it's an all in one solution. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, and then nuts, I guess yeah. the, the, the people robust. side, of, yeah. So I guess like the people side of this, like, so you're running basically operations, it sounds like I are, is, is part of what your team's job is, is to kind of like add the human element to how do we make this better? Like, how do we, you know, look at what's happening? and train the model better or add more. I imagine a lot of what you're doing is probably just adding more data up front to the back end to decision better. Yeah. Um, So my teams are are like all the client-facing teams except for sale, for sales. So like onboarding and support. And so there's like constant feedback loop from from our customers on what we need to build next. And um, you know, how an agent would respond to something and we can constantly learn and kind of improve our ability to upsell or we just kind of build more features. If, if anybody reaches out and is like, I would love to be able to send around, and this is like a real example, um, I can see all my contacts on the back end and I'd really love to be able to have my teams reach out when the price changes on these units. If somebody's, if I have a bunch of people that are explicitly interested in, in these units that are going through a price drop. And we were like, okay, well, in, instead of us like giving like classic CRM, right? Like instead of us giving you a place where you can filter for those types of people with those preferences, doesn't it make more sense for us to just build a feature for the AI to just <laughs> email everybody when it's so like, you know, it's, uh, we, we have our own CRM, which I think is like what works really well for, folks that don't, that are working out of a spreadsheet or, you know, not even, not even there buying their like second or third single family home and need support. Um, I, I, it is not a CRM though, or, um, you know, a client relationship management tool. It's not in that we don't self-serve this data to you. Like we are, you can, you can watch and see the conversations, but the goal is always for, where a regular CRM would give you a button or a filter or, you know, a way to build a campaign. Our goal is to give you visibility into the campaign we're going to automatically run for you. Um, And so every time we get a reach out from our customers or we learn about something changing in their workflow, um, we're just, we're always serving that to the product team to build. Um, and then from a model perspective, we do have a percentage of conversations and it fluctuates based on kind of the volume of uh, or kind of like leasing volume or conversation volume on the resident side. Um, but a percentage of conversations are always going through our AI training team. Um, and I think that gives a lot of our customers like a lot of uh, they feel really safe knowing that there's like humans that look at these models or like look at these conversations and validate what the AI is about to say. Um, you hear some crazy stories about um, AI 
what it's called hallucinating and and giving some weird answers to questions. Um, yeah. And we don't, we're not in a position, right, where we have to answer every single prospect's question. Like if somebody comes and asks us to tell them a joke, that's gonna get handed off to a human. And we're not gonna, we're not gonna like try and produce an AI joke. And, right. and you know, right. you're not trying to be everything all people. If someone yeah. comes crazy, like, I'm about to go jump hand off, it off to a human. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So some of those like weird AI conversations that you see in the news, like we're not that kind of an AI or yeah. conversation. Are you guys you know, handling we, emergencies? Like I know one thing in, in I mean, like I, I so I I started a management company. We were eventually managing 5,000 properties and, um, you know, emergency resolution I think is probably one of the top two most sophisticated and hardest to teach things because mm -hmm. no matter how long I've been doing this, I still hear about things. I just interviewed someone yesterday. I said, give me your craziest landlording story. And it was <laughs> a, a woman uh, called the emergency hotline for the company because she was stuck next to the toilet in her bathroom. Um, <laughs> and, oh, no. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, their emergency team at the time didn't get to it that day. So then she called 911 and the fire department came in and literally like ripped the bathroom apart when it, it there was easier solutions to it than what they, they chose. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, where I was going was, uh, I'm, I'm, never, I'm never shocked at the, di the difference. There's just so many things that come up in emergencies. And uh, I think they're really hard to train even people on. I'm sure AI is yeah. tricky too. Do you guys get into that? Yeah, so um, sentiment analysis is, is something we are, um, we have lightly, we're constantly working on. Um, you know, when I first joined the company, there was one team member, because um, the, there's like the machine learning team, and then there's like the engineering team, right? Like there's, there's folks that straddle both and like have a machine learning background, but there's kind of like the scientists and then there's the engineers. Um, we, we've got this like group of scientists that are kind of like floating about the business a little, a little bit more philosophical than the rest of us that are like dealing with the, you know, the, the grind of like the, the day to day. Right. Um, right. and I remember speaking to one of them over lunch and I was like, what are you working on right now? And he was like, expletives. And I was like, what do you mean expletives? And he's like, well, sometimes people use an expletive because they're excited or happy. And sometimes they use an expletive because they're really mad. And like, or sometimes they just use expletives constantly. And it's just kind of like built into their mundane, like cadence of speaking. Right. Um, <laughs> In particular, dual from and, the state of New Jersey, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like sentiment analysis is super hard. Like when you start to think about the nuances of like when somebody uses an expletive, um, like it takes a lot of training and modeling to get that right. And um, we're in some cases, like we're independently building these things. Like models don't exist already. And we have our scientists here, like independently building some of this, this functionality. Um, same thing with people just saying like, yeah, no, or no, yeah. Like, which one is it? <laughs> is it yeah or is it no? Um, anything, uh, anything like surprise you, you know, as you've, look, you guys have probably leased a lot of properties. You're in a way sort of, uh, you're not a management company, but you're definitely seeing a lot of pieces of management. Um, I don't know. 
at, at, at really big numbers. Um, <laughs> I don't know any, anything that like you wouldn't have expected maybe going in. The conversation I had right before I joined uh, this call, um, we were talking about the move-in process. And uh, I was sitting with one of our product developers and they were asking me about how that works today. Um, and they were really surprised that like for line share people, when you walk into the, to your unit day of and you fill out, you know, is my sink working? Is my, um, is my toilet working? And you kind of fill out the state of, of the apartment when you first go in. Yep. Um, it's typically like on a piece of paper and you need to like bring it back within 48 hours. And so they're talking about like the best they have been talking about the best way to get this through questions or kind of like ensure that we get it faster and, and help turn this into maintenance requests and kind of automate this process. And it was like, Oh no, no, no. It's a piece of paper right now. They're like, Oh, like, can we see the data? You know, they're going to, they're like, Oh, we can probably get like, years of data from people so you can see what kinds of things how often things are broken and kind of understand the value of it i'm like no 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 it goes goes into a box in the leasing office <laughs> and, and what happens from that like do they digitize it i'm like no it goes into the box in the leasing office <laughs> like, that's where it goes <laughs> right and then like a work order is made but it's not even Maybe. tied to the original you know it's it's yeah it's uh, hopefully and then we keep them for however many years until I guess the next person until they move out and you do yeah. actually or, check or against even it more to be like, like <laughs> did everyone even get a move in form? I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's so funny speaking with like these incredibly sophisticated developers, right? And like, and being like, welcome to real estate. <laughs> like, yeah we've got you know there's there's so much to do here it's like it's it's exciting but i guess that's the surprise it's like when you bring people from other industries into prop tech the opportunity is like so great it's it's really exciting yeah i don't know if this so I, I i talked about this once on the podcast but i was in ad tech before this and um i saw tech infiltrate ad tech over like a decade when it just the industry was just had not been touched and so it was a really fun place to be because the, the, the opportunity was so great. You could be average and you were going to be successful because there just weren't enough people who understood tech in this industry. You yeah. were, you know, you were in the small minority of what was going to be the people leading this industry in a very short amount of time. And I feel like real estate's kind of the same way that, I mean, it, you know, I know people talk about prop tech, but like how many real technology companies are there in real estate? Like, that are actually gotten real funding and not just like seed funding, but actually doing something. There's actually not that many. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. it's still a small number and therefore a very small number of people who actually are dealing with these problems that that still tie into like huge, you know, renting out a unit that may cost 1500 or two grand to rent. Like every day matters. Like every day that sits there costs yeah. somebody another $10 or $5 or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just such a gigantic, it's it's quite an industry to to commit yourself to working in. I I remember when I was considering coming over here. I've, I've known Minna the CEO for like six seven years. Um, this company started a couple years after mine, and um, we were both in kind of a niche, um, you know, a niche market as like a 
female CEOs and she, uh, her husband is our CTO here. My husband was my CPO at my company. It was kind of like the weird overlapping of our lives. So um, yeah. naturally we're, we're connected and have been, um, have been kind of uh, keeping up with each other's lives for years before I joined this company. But um, I say that to say like, I, when I was considering where I was going to go next after selling the, the business and working at Alfred to merge them together, I um, would always ask, it's such a cheesy question, but I was, I was, I would ask people like, what, why did you, why did you start this business? Or like, why, what's your big purpose? Um, and for Minna, our CEO, it was about being good and being great. So serving the most number of people in a way that's like the most impactful. And obviously it would make sense. We would start in housing. Like this is where you live and everybody needs a house. Like it's like the most number of people and you can have like the biggest impact on their lives. Yeah. Um, our next industry is healthcare. Um, so that's like the living bit of the living. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I think it's really cool that that was the intent, right? It was like, when you come into this industry, you are, you are impacting something so essential to the living experience. Like, you are impacting where people literally put their head down to sleep at night. Kind yeah. of a, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a wild space to be in. <laughs> um, I have one final question and that is, so I ask everyone when we close out here, what is something that they're interested or excited about over the next couple of years kind of in this mm. intersection of real estate and tech? Um, and it's funny over the last six months, like the most common answer has been, AI, oh man, it's so interesting. Um, <laughs> you you are the 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 beholden one here. So what? Uh, I mean, I think I guess you're, I got to get more niche than that. Then <laughs> yeah, you need to get more niche. That's what I was gonna say. And, uh, and by the way, I I don't let people just say AI. That's like a way common answer that doesn't even yeah. make sense to most people. So um, more specific, if you can. Is there something yeah. that you're excited about? Could be at your company, could be overall, but but kind of real estate and tech coming together, things that you think that will evolve and change that you think are like, hmm, this is really interesting that maybe maybe people aren't thinking about or talking about over the next few years. Yeah, voice AI, definitely. Um, like I said, I've been sitting through all the engineers in our open office plan, like, tell me a joke, tell me a joke tell me a joke again and again with these, these voice AIs, um, trying to get their inflection really human-like. Um, and, and I feel like that's like a, a big overarching one, but I'm actually like a little bit more nerdy of an answer. I'm really, really excited for how like knowledge um, banking is changing. Um, we are currently using um, kind of like structured data, like certain number of fields and we ask certain questions, we get certain information from like structured data inside, you know, systems that we, uh, we integrate with, like your property management system, if you're big enough or your client relationship yeah. management system, like, you know, in just like ILSs that are like, what are your amenities? What are, what's like your bed, movement? Bedroom, bedroom policy, bathroom, like, square footage, all kinds yeah. of different like, inputs. And it's like a, it's like a set number of questions we're asking based on like us thinking, okay, what kinds of things are people going to ask about? What I'm really excited for is like, we're getting to the place where like those lists can be expansive. So like every time we have to hand off a question about the mover 
running away with somebody's things. Um, <laughs> we've got to escalate that to somebody based on how they, the steps they took or the information that they gave to the, to the resident or I guess prospect maybe in that case. Um, uh, we can bank that information in like a more flexible way. Like we can just constantly keep learning things. So French restaurant opens up next door and someone can be like, um, cool French restaurant next door. And now we can like figure out how to insert that in conversations in a way more dynamic way. Cause it's not like insert fun fact or like, you know what I mean? It's not like a, it's not right. a structured field. It's just like, we can learn anything that we're exposed to. Um, and that's not an us thing. That's like, that's again, emerging technology. So AI across the board is, is going to be um, navigating like how to scale that. Um, and I think we're definitely the first in our space in, in real estate to be touching it. But um, again, it's like new invention, super exciting. Yeah, it's super cool. And also I think like, as I've done sales in my, in my life, the, the biggest key to selling and, and anything, whether it's a leasing or anything else is like, can you match someone's need with, with a solution basically? Yeah. And to do that, what makes humans so great at it is you don't just need structured data. You can actually like keep going down that list and someone has a very unique need and we can match it because we know this, this place actually yeah. has that somewhere in its ability set to find it. Um, I mean, it like makes totally sense. It's like super interesting that you're not just limited to yeah. like bedroom, bathroom, square footage and five amenities, but like the list could over time be, you know, hundreds of things long. That's just learning that are helpful in very specific examples for specific people. Um, yeah. and you, you wouldn't want to take the time to make a structured data set for because it's not that important, but when it's important. It's really important. Um, yeah. And it's just like investment in in us not having to be the middleman anymore, like operators not having to be the middleman. Like I don't yeah. have to, as the area changes, I don't have to guess what new kinds of questions potential prospects are going to be asking now that like it's gentrified or now that it's more of a metropolitan or, you know, yeah. as the area changes, like the questions people are asking are training the answerer on what kinds of things they're going to have to know about. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's just totally like cool. real li live um, kind of expansion of that knowledge. Yeah, Friend, cool. Thanks for joining us. This is awesome. Get back to your saving <laughs> millions of lives. I, uh, I know you have a busy day, busy life, uh, building tech for millions of people. Um, I really appreciate you coming to the show. Thanks for listening. This edition of the Real Estate Hackers Show. If you've not yet become a member of Real Estate Hackers, you can do that for free at realestatehackers.com. Get access to all of the amazing real estate hacker deals from incredible vendors, a ton of content and materials for you, the investor. You can follow Real Estate Hackers on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If you can give us a five-star review for the podcast, I would personally really appreciate it. We read every review, and thank you so much for helping us grow this community for you, the real estate investor.